Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows everything there is to know about abortion, <laughs> Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Which is weird, because I don't think you have a uterus, do you? Uh, I don't, no. It, but you know... I know people who do. and that, A lot of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're... you. What some would call an abortion expert on the topic. <laughs> I don't. I don't really want to take that. Um, that's what, you know when you say almost everything there is to know. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave abortion out of that one. Okay. Probably. Uh, so because it, it's it's complex. The complex issue. It's hard to take a stance. It's been very one way difficult or the other. to learn everything there is to know mm. about it. I'll tell you that. Well, we've been having a nice conversation in the group for I don't know like fifteen minutes now about NASCAR. <laughs> About racing, baby. Yeah. So if you're boogity, boogity. if you're a big NASCAR fan and you're upset that you didn't get in on that conversation, then go to joingml.com. Pay as little bit as uh, six bucks a month. Okay. It's only gone up once with inflation. We don't plan on raising prices anytime soon. Maybe. We'll see. So go to joingml.com and do that because this is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. So make sure you tell your friends, your family members to smash that follow or subscribe button and i know a lot of times we breeze past this but that tagline is pretty important to us whenever we created it life liberty and the pursuit of meaning Mm -hmm. like those three are like fundamental core beliefs that we have when it comes to human beings and how we traverse this thing we call consciousness. Are you saying that the life part is pretty important for today's conversation? I would say that's probably part of it. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Definitely part well, of it. So I'm sure everyone saw the news. Of course, a little bit of news happened on Friday, happened during Dumb Bleep of the Week. We were not able to catch all of the really dumb things that were said in response to this, although yeah. we've got some of them today that we're going to we be did. going through. We got some dumb tweets, one thread especially that we're going to be going through and then we'll save the rest uh, for a Dumb Bleep of the Week episode. So anyway, hey. I saw, I saw some people calling Clarence Thomas a, a dumb field N-word. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's And that, that it was okay. That's how mad they were that it was okay to use that word because of how angry they were. Uh, well, I guess it, the ends justify the means and mm-hmm. that. I mean, this is about a woman's right to choose and bodily autonomy. Here's one of the annoying parts. Okay, we'll go ahead and get it Not out there. Not that we in the know open. what a woman is. No. But one, one, we don't know what a woman is. Two, what the heck does bodily autonomy mean in 2022? Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Because if I were to look online right now, I mean, the, the left is very, very concerned about bodily autonomy and your right to dictate your own decisions uh, for what happens with, with your body. And I feel like we've had some contradictory things go on in the last year or so that maybe go against that. There's a little bit of hypocrisy happening on a lot of fronts here that we're going to talk about with this, uh, with this confusing and complex situation. This first one I wanted to go through is an article from CNN. It's an opinion piece that I am extremely, extremely surprised was on CNN and credit to them for actually posting this. And I saw it on their homepage 
in the top part of their homepage when I went to their page today. Crazy. All right, so it says, opinion, Roe was very bad for America. The court gives us a chance to reset. Well, okay, and before you go into this article, mm-hmm. I want to state what actually happened on Friday okay. with the opinion. The Supreme Court, just so you know, mandated that all women get pregnant and carry the baby all the way to term and raise it with no financial aid afterwards. Yeah, exactly. So it is now the law of the land. You must be mm-hmm. pregnant and then give your child up into the foster care system where they will not be taken care of. Either either or. Either no. you got to take care of it or someone else does. So you're going to – obviously, you've probably seen a lot of stuff this weekend about what actually happened. And what actually happened was that all the court did – they didn't make uh, abortion illegal, by Mm-mm. the way, at all. That, that didn't happen. All they did was overturn Roe and Casey and say that essentially that it was bad what the court did uh, during Roe and Casey, both, and that they basically gymnastics that they had to jump through to make abortion constitutional and a right was null and void, and that it is not a federal constitutional right whatsoever, and that it the debate goes back to the people and their elected representatives of the states. Which seems extremely anti-democratic, you know, when you, <laughs> when you ask me. It's almost like fascism. Like when you say that, like in your local, your more local area, not over the entire country, but in your more local area, that... Uh, the people that you vote for in your local area, they are going to be able to set the laws for the people that live in your area based on how the people vote in said area and that the federal government is not going to uh, reign supreme over top of all of them on on one single side of the issue. That sounds like fascism when you ask me, Mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Because it doesn't align with what I agree with. Because, exactly, because you had a certain view on it and now uh, you don't like the outcome. So anything else you see, the outside of that, is just hysteria. One stupid thing I saw, big protests in L.A. over the weekend. I mean, massive. Like, people going down the streets, tons of people protesting. And Newsom's like, abortion's already legal. Like, we'll pay you to have one. We can't can't make it any more legal. We can't do it. I thought it was funny. In fact, California's expected to expand beyond viability. Like, what are these people protesting? There's no chance it's going to be outlawed in California. But I guess they're just showing, you know, that they're upset. And that's one of the problems with the way that we look at our country. We look at it as this one single place where there's a one-size-fits-all solution for everything. And even if you're in California and it's completely legal, and in fact, they might even encourage it and pay for it for you and all that, if someone in Tennessee... Uh, doesn't have that, then you need to be protesting, be very upset about that. That doesn't really go along with the idea that we have uh, 50 separate states here that can make their own laws. Now, maybe if I were to give the devils their due, that's because you believe there's a fundamental right to have an abortion. In the same way that I think there's a fundamental right to uh, be able to keep the money that you earn or to be able to defend yourself. And so even if I don't have like a state tax here in Tennessee, I can still argue that California shouldn't have a state income tax either. Or if we can open carry here in Tennessee and you can't in California, I can still argue that California uh, needs to get rid of that because that's a fundamental right. So in that case, you could give them their due, saying that they're arguing for what they believe to be fundamental rights Mm -hmm. that are being violated. 
for people. But in this case, the Supreme Court ruled that that is not a fundamental right and your state legislature can make whatever laws they want on this. That's where we are. Mm. This article I thought was really good, this opinion piece. So, yeah, let's go through some of the articles, explain further into what's going on and get some opinions. And then I think Nate and I will have a discussion on what the real answer Mm. is. Yeah, yeah. Because I have some real answers that is not very popular, Mm -hmm. but it's the real answer. So this is from O. Carter Sneed, who's a professor of law, uh, director for ethics and culture at the University of Notre Dame. And author of a book and all that, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, oh, Notre Dame. Well, that's Catholic, Nate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't listen to what this guy says. Okay, so after nearly fifty years, the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and their related precedents, returning to the American people once again the authority to govern ourselves on the vexed matter of abortion through the deliberative processes of the political branches of government. As, in the, as is the case in the majority of nations around the world. By virtue of those precedents, the Supreme Court imposed on the nation an extreme, those precedents with Roe and Casey, they imposed on the nation an extreme one-size-fits-all regulatory regime for abortion of its own invention without any justification in the text, history, or tradition of the Constitution. Indeed, the reasoning in both Roe and Casey is famously weak, and even the most sophisticated proponents of abortion rights have put forward their own justification rooted in the 13th Amendment's ban on involuntary servitude or the 14th Amendment's guarantee of equal protection, rather than mining the latter amendment's due process clause for an implicit right to privacy, which was the basis for the Roe decision, or an unwritten liberty interest, which was the grounding of the Casey decision. In my view, the court's jurisprudence has, from the beginning, been a conclusion in search of a justification. And I do think that that is correct, that this was a conclusion in search of a justification, that they said we want abortion to be a constitutional right, and let's try and see if we can piece it together through all these, uh, through all these different amendments, mm-hmm. if we can. Not only did Roe corrupt the law, but it also badly damaged our politics. It channeled all of the political energy of the abortion debate into proxy battles for control of the Supreme Court that played out in a toxic fashion in in presidential and senatorial campaigns, reaching the shameful apex and judicial confirmation hearings, which have become a no-holds-barred blood sport where politicians don't merely argue they seek to destroy the nominee as a person. This has transformed into something entirely darker with justices and their families facing harassment and other threats of violence, including murder. Roe eliminated the need for us to talk to one another in the political sphere in a way that has real and concrete meaning for the laws and policies that bind us. The Supreme Court took the issue of abortion out of the political, legislative, and executive spheres with Roe and Casey. It declared one side, the abortion rights side, the victor of the most hotly contested public question in the modern era, and told the other side to go home. And it did so under a notoriously weak interpretive analysis that even liberals uh, recognize as unpersuasive. So, for nearly 50 years, those on opposite sides of the issue haven't had to learn how to talk to one another in a serious way and how to find a path forward for the law and policy on abortion. We simply did what the Supreme Court told us, insofar as we could tell what that was, There was no need for those who disagree to discuss the issue since we weren't allowed to govern ourselves. But that all has to change now 
we need to relearn how to talk about abortion as a precondition of self-governance. Now, this is going to be difficult, by the way. Yes. There is there is a lot of deep emotion surrounding mm-hmm. abortion. <clears throat> and it's, you know, it's really hard. I, you know, I saw a lot of things this weekend <clears throat> that made it really difficult. And I'm going to use some language here, Mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> but because I'm just repeating what I saw. But I saw things. You didn't say it. They said it. I didn't say it. Okay. No, no, I didn't say it. They said it. I'm just going to tell you what they said. I saw things uh, to the essence of, and this is what's going to make conversation really deep, difficult about how to actually debate this topic, which was um, something to the essence of, if you believe I can't associate with you as a family or a friend, um, well, I'm sorry, the first part of it was I can associate with you as a family member or friend, if you have a difference of opinion. However, I cannot associate with you as a family member or friend if you believe in taking away women's rights. Mm -hmm. So like, because they're able to categorize this as a women's right explicitly or implicitly, actually, they're implying that it's self-evident that this is a, a woman's right to choose, that if you disagree with that, then it's not an opinion. You're mm-hmm. actually, you're no different than a, a slave owner. Any other authoritarian any, out there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's one. The other one I saw was that if you in any way supported this, um, go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's like, well, it's hard yeah. to talk to that person. <laughs> that's, that's tough. Yeah. And I saw a lot of those, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. So it's like, which by, which, you know, I'm not even that far off from what I would consider pro-abortionists. I'm not that far away yeah. from, from their stance. Um, Except for that you, you think that they're wrong. Well, I think they're <laughs> wrong on one piece of it. Yeah. <clears throat> so that, that's it. But, but I can't even have that conversation because they're not, nobody's going to listen. Mm-hmm. And so I, I agree with what the author's saying. It, what, what he's saying here is that for the last 50 years, it's been uh, one side wins, the other side loses. And so there really wasn't a discussion. And now as you start to have these discussions, it's going to be really difficult to relearn how to actually publicly debate something and the best ideas win. Well, it's interesting that you brought that up because the article finishes by saying, how do we start talking to people about this? We need to be candid with one another about what we believe and why it matters, what we intend to do and how we mean to do it. But more importantly, we must be charitable in particular. Now, this is the goes to the person who said, go F yourself. If you agree with this, in particular, we owe our fellow citizens with whom we disagree the respect of listening and trying our level best to understand their arguments, the goods they hold most dear, the harms they most fear, and to try to internalize their perspective. When we characterize their arguments, we must do so accurately, and we must genuinely embrace the notion that both sides have something vital to defend. Concretely, Those who call themselves pro-life must understand that those who describe themselves as pro-choice are desperate to defend women's bodily autonomy and secure their equal position in the economic and social life of our nation. And conversely, the latter advocates must acknowledge that the former are committed to the intrinsic equal dignity of every human being, born and unborn. Once that's out of the way, we can begin the hard work of trying to find common ground so that we together can care rightly for women, children, born and unborn, and families, both before and after they are born. 
So I think he makes a really interesting point there that that I think I think the left and the right both get this very wrong when they talk about it. And I think every time we've talked about abortion, we've tried to do this. We've said several times, I am very sympathetic to the pro-choice position on this. Mm. I might even be overly sympathetic to the pro to the pro-choice uh, position on this. Now, <clears throat> does that mean that I don't that I don't care about kids or I don't care about the unborn? Now, I'm just trying to look at this from both people's point of view. People who are pro-life need to realize that maybe you believe something that they don't. What if they truly believe that it's not a life until a specific point or that you have this right and and that that's something that inherently you were given as a woman who can become pregnant? <clears throat> and so maybe you have rights that uh, like men don't because men can't get pregnant. And so maybe women do have rights that uh, that men don't in this circumstance because they can create a, another person inside of themselves. Maybe that hasn't been talked about. The pro-choice people need to realize that it's not about controlling women's bodies. It's literally trying to save what the pro-life side perceives as children who are literally being murdered. And, I mean, really... If you if you're pro-choice and you thought about it from the standpoint of this person care believes so strongly that this is murder that there is a child that is going to be in this world and I'm killing them just openly and there's doctors helping me and this is a major industry and it's disgusting like would you really just look at that person and say oh you're a terrible fascist nazi who just wants to control women's bodies and that's all you care about a lot of them do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they haven't really considered the standpoint from, no. from the other person's point well, of, of view. Well, actually, I can say neither side really has. Yeah, I, that's I agree. Where, that's where we come in, mm -hmm. to, mans <laughs> to mansplain. Yes. Both sides. To liberty-splain. That's right. To the people, as is always mm -hmm. our job uh, in these matters. So um, before we get into our uh, other conversation. There's a few articles here. I wanted to show you just some of the ridiculousness that happened. I just wanted to do this one because I didn't want to wait until a dumb bleep episode. So I saw this trending about, I saw a U.S. Senator was trending on Twitter. I was like, well, that's weird. Why is U.S. Senator trending? And then I click on that and it's about Senator John Corrin. Now, Barack Obama, former president of the United States, he said, today the Supreme Court not only reversed nearly 50 years of precedent, it relegated the most intensely personal decisions someone can make to the whims of politicians and ideologues, attacking the essential freedoms of millions of Americans. Now, the first part, he said, the first thing was reversed 50 years of precedent. All right. So Senator John Corn responds to Barack Obama with a retweet and says, OK, now do Plessy versus Ferguson versus uh, Brown versus Board of Education, which was a precedent that was overturned by the Supreme Court at a later date. And so the, to me, when I see this, the obvious point is you can't just say that something is precedent and then therefore it's law of the land and you can't ever overturn a precedent. Mm -hmm. You're the first uh, black president of the United States and we're literally talking about these separate but equal uh, clause that they had decided uh, was constitutional with Plessy versus Ferguson. They then later overturned that precedent. And so therefore, I they would say... They overruled it. That, yeah. Uh, therefore, I would say, okay, well, sometimes a precedent could be overturned, you know? And so 
this bird some really great content. I'll just say it that way. I'm sure way. a lot of people were thinking <clears throat> that he wanted yes. Brown versus over, yes. uh, Brown versus uh, Board of Education overturned. Of course. So uh, let's see. Ellie Mistel, a uh, blue check mark, says, look at this racist F word tweeting at the black president about his desire to overturn Brown versus Board of Education and return black people to a state of segregation. He didn't say anything of the yeah. sort. And they probably have five votes to do it on the Supreme Court. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. And here's another one. Tom Morello, blue check mark. Racist ass U.S. senator missing the good old days of segregation. Emboldened hatriots. That's one I hadn't seen before. Pretty good, though. Yeah, that's good. American Taliban, don't think you'll stop them. Okay, so once again, missing the good old days of segregation. Uh, Carla Monteroso, blue check mark. A U.S. senator calling for segregation in response to a tweet from the first black president. Masked all the way off in service of trolling. This is disgusting. Now, is that what Senator John Corum was saying? Nope. No, I don't. Mm-mm. I'm betting you we disagree with Senator John Corrin on on quite a lot of stuff, probably a bunch, because I've got a short list of Liberty senators that are out there, and I've never heard his name mentioned in that. Okay, <laughs> so I probably disagree with a ton of stuff, but that's not what he was doing. But this is the kind of thing where facts don't matter, logic doesn't matter, rationality doesn't matter. You can literally take. Is it not clear? Someone tell me in the group, was it not clear that that's what he was doing, was saying that, okay, precedents get overturned? You can't just say precedents can't be overturned. So, Or was he calling for segregation in schools? Let me tell you, when I first read it, I didn't read Barack Obama's tweet first. Okay. I read his, and I was thinking, does he want to overturn Brown versus Board <laughs> of Education? Yeah. Because he's saying the Supreme Court now do, now, like, now overturn, now it's time. But then I read Barack Obama's, and I was like, wait. He's talking about how Brown overturned Plessy, mm-hmm. and that that was that was overruling previous precedent. Yes, and that was a good thing. Yeah. So, so what he was saying to Obama is like, oh well, now compare this overturning of precedent. I think the problem is you can react and type a tweet out faster than that thought process that you just did. And so mm-hmm. most people just skip through the thought process side of it and they just get the tweet out. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's like me not checking for spelling errors before I send a tweet out. You know, yeah. I don't like doing that. I want to thank the sponsor for today's show. That's our friend Mikel Thurup of the Expat Money Show. You've probably heard him on this podcast before. That's back on episode 330. And if you're one of the many people who are considering exploring life in another country, you absolutely have to subscribe to the Expat Money Show. Whether it's foreign residencies, second passports, asset protection, or protecting your money from the tyranny of taxation, there is no better resource than the Expat Money Show. I mean that. Seriously. This is the guy to go to. Mikkel has spent over 20 years traveling the world, visiting more than 100 countries, while living in nine different countries over that time. He can help you legally eliminate your tax bill and travel the world in the process. So subscribe to the Expat Money Show today, available on all the podcast apps, YouTube, or you can find the episodes over at expatmoneyshow.com. And by the way, he's got a great online summit 
coming up that I'm going to put the link in the show notes to as well. A bunch of different experts who are going to show you all the benefits of living the expat lifestyle, the best ways to do it, how we can actually live a free libertarian lifestyle. That does sound pretty good. So go over to theexpatmoneyshow.com and find all the links in the show notes. Uh, so that was one of the dumbest exchanges that I saw. And then, of course, all the famous people that are coming out. Even the uh, singer from Green Day says he's renouncing his U.S. citizenship. Good. While he was in, uh, he was in London, which, by the way, has abortion restrictions. Um, uh, but anyway, that part doesn't matter. That's, <laughs> it's not important. It doesn't. No, that's not important at all. Um, so okay, he, I want to get that out of the way real quick. Okay. Now that you bring it up. Okay. The other thing that you have to look at is that when folks are saying, um, comparing European countries, right, um, remember that this law, this Mississippi law that went to the Supreme Court to be challenged, was because Mississippi set a limit at 15 weeks. Okay. Now, most European nations, by the way, are at 14 weeks. Mm -hmm. There are a few that are as high, uh, two countries are above that which are the Netherlands and one other that are at, I think, 16 weeks or 20 weeks. Well, uh, the UK, the um, England is at 24. I can tell you that. Okay. So England and the Netherlands are 20, 24, something <clears throat> like that. Uh, almost all of them are 14 or less. And this law was 15 weeks. So it, it's right in line with what the other European nations are doing. I believe the Mississippi law actually said that there were, um, that there were only seven countries, uh, developed nations that had, um, like looser restrictions than that, uh, that the rest of them had uh, the same or tighter restrictions on it. And what, one thing I think that happened here is the left, like they do with a lot, and I guess both sides do it, but they, you can't stop pushing for more. It's always more. So like with Roe, you know, Roe had these trimesters in there. So you, uh, you could, you know, you could do whatever you want basically in the first trimester. The second, you could have some restrictions. In the third, you could totally ban it if you wanted to. And then they want more than that. And we've gone from what abortions are supposed to be safe and rare, you know, not the best thing in the world to do, to now it's like this point of pride. Like Even it's according like, to Joe Biden It's from like the points 90s. that you've scored you know, that, that you've, you've done as many safe, legal, and rare. Thanks, Costco. Uh, that now it's like this point of pride to have an abortion. You can go out there and talk about it. We've completely lost the, the moral side of it. Even if, let's say I was pro-choice and I was totally fine with it. When did like becoming pro, you should be able to have this procedure mean that also you have to affirm this procedure and you have to say that this is a good thing and you have to agree with it. And actually, it's a point of pride that you do this. And actually, everyone should have an abortion. That's amazing. We should all do it. Like we completely flip the tables in the same way that has happened with a lot of other stuff. Not only do you have to allow it reluctantly, you've got to affirm it and celebrate it and just talk about how amazing it is. And if you have any moral disagreement with it, then you're just a, a Neanderthal. And and so now what's happened is we've just continued to go farther and farther where uh, Billy Joel Armstrong, he's over in the UK and he's saying, well, I'm going to renounce my U.S. citizenship. Well, they've got restrictions that the left would would still be protesting over in the United States if every state had that same restriction. You know what? Because they did, because they're basically the, the Roe restrictions that they had, that they ended up overturning the trimester rules on, on Roe. 
with Casey. And, and so they're not even realizing how far they've gone, I think. They don't realize that these places also have restrictions that you would not agree with. You would say that that's controlling a woman's body. You know, up to the point where the head's coming out, you should be able to kill the thing. And, or, or a little bit afterwards, maybe a couple minutes after. And if you don't support that, then you're a freaking Neanderthal mm-hmm. fascist. That's what you are. I say we go up to like two <clears throat> or something. You know? <laughs> two? <laughs> <laughs> Abort this child! <laughs> it's okay. from Satan! Um, there are, so the Vatican weighed in on this. I don't know if you want to do that real quick. That it's a, a quick article. And then a, we have uh, Tennessee's I rule was also. joking, by the way. <laughs> um, Charlie was joking. That was sarcasm, just so everyone knows. I want to tell you guys about our sponsor for today's show, and that is BetterHelp. Now, I get burnt out sometimes. You guys ever get burnt out? I, I do. I work tons of hours. I work at least 11 hours a day on the trading class, on the podcast, and all the other stuff that's going on. I'm going back and forth between Chattanooga and Illinois, seeing my family, my wife's family. I get really burnt out, okay? Life can be really overwhelming. And, you know, it's not just me. You're probably burnt out as well. Maybe you don't even know it. Maybe you think that admitting that being burnt out means that you're admitting failure or weakness or something. That's ridiculous. All right. It is possible to get burnt out. You could, you could be experiencing some symptoms like your lack of motivation. Maybe you're irritable. I heard that uh, from, from my wife one time as well, that maybe I was irritable. I'm tired. Now I have narcolepsy as well, so I do get tired. Uh, for sure. So we think it always has to do with work, but that's that's not. It can be emotional issues as well. Maybe issues with friends and family. Anything that's going on in your life. So BetterHelp Online Therapy. They want to remind you to prioritize yourself. You can talk with someone and figure out what is causing all of this stress in your life. All right. Charlie uses BetterHelp. He still talks to his therapist at least once a week, if not twice a week. He loves it. He started using it probably a couple of years ago and has been using it since then. He really enjoys talking to his therapist. I'm not going to tell you what they talk about, okay? But he's been able to pick the person that was right for him. They set him up with someone, and it, it's just been a really good experience so far. So they're going to be able to match you up with someone that, that works for you. This is a customized online therapy, so you're going to get Video, phone, even a live chat with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You don't have to do the video. That's just an option for you. It's way more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in the under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash GML. That's BetterHelp.com slash GML. All right. And did you say Neanderthal or Nate Anderthal? Nate Anderthal. Turn, okay, they just no. call you a Nate Anderthal. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, this from Reuters. Pro-life is not just opposing abortion, Vatican says after the U.S. ruling. Anti-abortion activists should be concerned with other issues that can threaten life, such as easy access to guns, poverty, and rising maternity mortality rates, the Vatican's editorial director said on Saturday. And a media... Maybe they should take some of the money they have. The Vatican has an editorial director. Yeah. How about that? In a media editorial on the United States Supreme Court's ruling to end the constitutional right to abortion, Andrea, to end the constitutional right to abortion. See how they classify these things? Mm-hmm. Um, Andrea Torinelli it's, uh, said those who oppose abortion could not pick and choose pro-life issues. 
So anything that could potentially harm a life, that's also uh, a point of issue as well. Being for life always, for example, means being concerned if the mortality rates of women due to motherhood increase. He wrote, he cited statistics from the CDC showing a rise in maternity mortality rates overall and that the rate was nearly three times higher for black women. Now that's weird. Mm-hmm. But there's been a rise this entire time that abortion's been legal. Huh, that is weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Happening. Quote, being for life always means asking to help women welcome new life. He wrote, citing an unsourced statistic that 75% of women who have abortions live in poverty or, at, or are low-wage earners. He also cited statistics from the Harvard Review of Psychiatry showing that the United States has much lower rates of paid paternal leave compared with other rich nations. That's definitely what... That definitely needs to be... Ta- it's the same thing. It's coming from the Vatican, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, okay, yeah, I know that technically we consider abortion to be murder, you know, because life begins at conception and all that. But don't forget to take into account the fact that women who have babies could end up uh, being in poverty. So mm-hmm. we got to weigh that in. <laughs> also. Never mind the uh, net the the net wealth of the Vatican. That doesn't matter, no. Yeah. Uh, quote, being for life always also means defending it in the, against the threat of firearms, which unfortunately have become a leading cause of death of children and adolescents in the U.S., he wrote, uh, which is not true still, by the way. <laughs> technically, it's technically statistically true in 2021. Yeah. I can tell you that. Especially when you're comparing the fact that no one drove in 2020. <laughs> so yeah. you greatly yeah. reduce the car deaths of children uh, because no one was driving. So Pope Francis has compared having an abortion to, quote, hiring a hitman to eliminate a problematic person. But he has tried to steer the U.S. Catholic Church away from seeing abortion as a single overarching life issue in the country's so-called culture wars. The death penalty, gun control, support for families and immigration are also life issues, he has said. The Vatican's Academy for Life praised Friday's U.S. Supreme Court ruling, saying it challenged the world to reflect on life issues, but also called for social changes to help women keep their children. U.S. President Joe Biden, a lifelong Catholic, condemned the ruling, calling it a, quote, sad day for America and labeling the court's conservatives as extreme. Now, I actually think this is a pretty good segue into what I know you were wanting to talk about. Um, I'll just say my point on it real quick. They talk about all these other things. They talk about gun violence. Um, They talk about, uh, let's see, poverty. All, all those different things. Now, gun violence, that's obviously the person who does it. You should be very much opposed to that and pro-life when dealing with a person who takes a gun and kills someone, I believe. And your pro-life can come into action at that point, put that person in, in prison if they did that. Um, the other thing here is this is different than, say, like poverty and all of that because what they're pushing towards, now they're not saying the government has to take care of it, although I know that they want them to, um, the, the difference here is that with abortion, you're taking the physical action of ending a life that would not have otherwise ended. So like you got to go take that action and perform that procedure and end the life at that point. In this other case, when it comes to poverty and all these others, um, these are things that are results of your life circumstances. Uh, they're not exactly, it's like someone came to you and took all of your money and now you're in poverty. And like now it's gone, you know, you can be opposed to that 
if you if you want to, and you should. That's why we don't like the government very much. And so you, you can be opposed to that. But I think they're kind of muddying the waters here when you're talking about someone taking the positive action of ending the life versus these other things where circumstances end up that maybe there's a higher mortality rate for people that are poor. Something like that. So that means you should take money and do it. Now, in a Christian sense, you should help people. You should help people as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And everyone who is pro-life should also be concerned with doing what they can in their communities to help people that are poor and that are on hard times. And the truth of the matter is, when you look at the actual data, that is what happens, by yeah. the way. So the, what, a lot of what you'll see as well, which has happened all weekend, are all these logical fallacies. Every single one of them is a logical fallacy. It's like, well, if you actually cared about life, then you would care about children going into foster care. And it's like, those are separate issues. Okay. That like, it's like, you know, when, when you have, um, an abuser who's gaslighting you Mm -hmm. and then they bring in all these other topics and they won't focus on the actual issue. And then like you're, and then you start to get upset because you're like, well, I want to talk about like what the real, like what what this particular issue. That's what I'm saying. Well, we can't talk about that, but whatever. And then you finally get mad and you kind of match them (laughs) and then they make you seem like the crazy person, even though that's what the abuser does is they go, they walk all the way around and bring all these other logical fallacies into the argument, which is actually isn't part of the argument whatsoever. And so that, that's what, that's what all of these arguments do, by the way. They're like, well, if you. If you don't want an abortion, don't get one. If you don't like gay marriage, don't marry a man. If you don't like this, don't do that. It's like, well, if you don't like murder, don't murder. But we still murder still illegal for other people because even if you don't like it and don't do it, other people may do it. And that's why don't you, you just leave the murderers alone? And that's where that's you, a difficult choice to make. That's to where murder you, someone. People are not thinking about the argument from the other person's point of view where people who are pro-life are literally viewing this as an act of murder. They're not thinking about it because... To Mama T's point here, they same exact arguments for slavery. If you don't like slaves, you don't have to have them. You can say... you And that exact post that you just mentioned, I saw that post and mm-hmm. I went to the, the murder comment afterwards. That's the first well, if you don't If you don't like murder, then don't murder anyone. You know? Problem solved. No, the, pro- the problem's not solved. Problem's not solved mm-hmm. at that point if we are talking about it being murder. I'm not saying that it's the exact same thing as murder. I'm trying to talk from the different sides' point of views. And like you said, there's a lot of fallacies happening here. Like if you cared about kids, then you would do more to support families and kids and stuff that are in poverty. Okay, there's a difference in saying you shouldn't take this tool and cut a baby's head off, you know, or, or saying that like, um, or chemically you, disintegrate them yeah. inside the womb, <laughs> or, or saying that like, okay, if you're in a bad life circumstance, if, if if you've been in the bad way and all that, like, yeah, I shouldn't be forced to take care of you. I shouldn't be forced to give up my dollars to take care of you in a really bad way because it flows to the government. They screw the whole thing up. But and so I shouldn't be forced to do that. But also, I, me saying that someone shouldn't physically take tools. And cut you apart is not the same thing. Those are those are two different conversations to be had. Mm-hmm. Someone is taking the physical action of ending a life, and you're saying, I don't want people to do that. And then someone's saying, well, what about when someone's poor? That's bad for, for people's life as well. Well, you can't force me to go take a physical action of labor 
and then take some of my labor and give it to that person. It's all about force here. Or like, what, what, what if this, this kid has Down syndrome? You know, why can't I just get, you know, that, like those are the same arguments that Hitler used. And I'm sorry to bring <laughs> they, him in here. They but are. like, are we, are we trying to make the ultimate race here? Like, is that, is that what is like, that's what's allowed? You get a lot of, that, you, you get a lot of eugenics type conversations here where, oh, if someone's got the, and you've, which uh, by the way, was Margaret Sanger's uh, whole mission. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I'll just say. Not by my words, they're her own. You can go read them. I, the Down syndrome one really, really bothers me a lot. Uh, I mean, you could go to someone who has Down syndrome and be like, hey, can I kill you real quick? Because mm-hmm. this sucks, right? Yeah. And they'd probably be like, mm-mm, no, I don't want to do that. People with Down syndrome are generally happy people. Yeah. My, uh, you know, my, my wife's uncle lived with her when she was growing up until she was about 21 years old. And he had Down syndrome. He lived with, uh, with her parents. And some of her best memories from growing up are, you know, having fun, uh, funny things that, like, he would always do, these little things that he would do. And, like, he was always happy and, like, laughing about everything. And, like, it was generally, like, this kind of bright, bright memory that they had. And like saying like, oh, because someone is down, like you just kill them afterwards. It's not a good argument is what I'm saying. Mm. And we can entertain like, oh, that's a bad way for someone to live and all that. But I'm glad you went down this road too, because I've got this thing from Slate Magazine that we're going to go into also. And maybe you want to, maybe you want to add this in here for this conversation. Well, I just, I just wanted the people to be aware of those different logical fallacies whenever people hit you with, well... You know, what about foster care? And the other thing I want to say is when you look at the data, um, in large part when it comes to donating to charities and actually taking care of people, uh, not through the virtue of, like, voting for someone who says they're going to help when the programs don't really help that much. Like, well, you know, I voted for, you know, the government to take other people's tax money to use it on this program that they don't use it for. That's not virtuous. I'm talking about people who actually write checks who take cold hard cash or Bitcoin or whatever it is, and they actually give it to other people or organizations who actually help people. When you look at that data, it's largely uh, pro-life people. Mm-hmm. So the people who are pro-life are pro-life in every stage uh, of the matter. So really, if you, if you want to argue that point, which is a logical fallacy anyway, it's getting off topic, but they, you still lose on that one. Because the people who are pro-life, especially the religious ones, are the ones who donate the most. And it's not just by a little bit. It's by a lot of bit. It's like they're four times more likely to donate to charity That's or, quite give a lot. Resor- or give resources. And the data on this is, is completely clear. It's easy to find, by the way. Um, so I'll add in another logical foul, another, another terrible argument, just a really bad argument that you see from the left a lot. Uh, from Slate right here, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but it's called The Heartbreaking Story of One Woman who, who Was Forced to Surrender a Baby Before Roe. Uh, so it didn't have an abortion. So backstory here, she was 16 when she got pregnant, uh, didn't really understand what was going on. Her mom wouldn't let her have an abortion. And uh, they ended up, because she didn't want to keep it, uh, they ended up giving it up to adoption. Okay. And so that's really the whole backstory. And so later in life, she decides that she has been missing the, this child that she had. She's known that this child's been out there in the world. It's affected her whole life. She's been thinking about it her whole life. 
And she says, uh, as it turns out, he, as a son, was right across the river from me. They knew a lot of the same people. Their paths across. They had the same restaurants. Um, they, you know, she worked somewhere at the college where he was taking classes. Um, said, my son lived near me for about eight years. And uh, we started a, fall, a small business together so we could work together. And we became very close during that time after finding out where he was. Losing him had such a profound influence on me. My siblings had fancy degrees and very focused careers, and they drew from that in order to define who they were. And she's saying she was most influenced by the fact that she had given away this child when she was 16. And I want to get to some of the ridiculous stuff that when they start talking about abortion, she talks about after she got married. She says, you know, a few years after I was married, I became pregnant and I had an abortion. It was not a wonderful experience, but every time I hear stories or articles or essays about the recurring trauma of abortion, I want to say, you don't have a clue. I've experienced both, and I'd have an abortion any day of the week before I would ever have another adoption. You know your child is out there somewhere, you just don't know where. It's bad enough as a mother to know he might need you, but to complicate that, they make a law that says even if he does need you, we're not going to tell him where you are. It overshadows my life. Uh, It talks about how it's had a big influence on her, all that. And so here's the argument. She knows her son's been out there her whole life. This was like 50 years ago when this happened. She made contact with her son. They had crossed paths. He was having a pretty good life, it seems. Started a gold arm business with him. Started a business together. And when interviewed uh, by this person for Slate, she said, You know, the pain of knowing he was out there was so great that I would still choose an abortion over adoption anytime. And I just wonder that awkward conversation with your son where you're like, oh, hey, look at this article is mentioning uh, my thoughts on abortion where I mentioned that I wish I would have just had you aborted instead of giving you up for adoption. Instead of this life that you've built for yourself. Yeah. And it would be much better if you would have been dead. And this... You know, the people on the right or libertarians get blamed uh, for being very selfish, very, very selfish people. But this is like selfishness to the extreme right here. When you're saying, well, the trauma I experienced throughout my life, you know, if I could do it again, I would just have an abortion and say, screw that guy who's got a family and a job and started the business with him because the pain that I had to endure... It's worse. Knowing that I had given up a child for adoption, that pain would have been worth just erasing that person from existence and taking away their entire life. And that is a a display of selfishness that you don't see out in the open unless you're talking about abortion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's really the only way that you see it. And really, like, the what she says here in the last paragraph, I think, is what her actual problem is. Not the fact that that she didn't abort her kid. I think she's placing the blame in the wrong spot. Now, it is very selfish, I will say, because if you listen to what how she says this, you'll notice there's a lot of eyes in here, mm-hmm. okay? She says here at the end, I don't really care if I have the popular view. I suffered this alone for 21 years, but here's where the actual problem comes in with her trauma, because it's not like her trauma wasn't real. It's not that she wasn't feeling real pain, that she had a, a son with a biological attachment and and didn't know where he was for 21 years. Like, that's probably really painful. But she says, I suffered this alone for 21 years, so everyone around me would be comfortable. Quote, don't talk about it because it makes us uncomfortable. 
And I didn't think, I think if anything good came from my pain, it has been to encourage other women in my situation to understand that they have as much a right to put their opinion out there as I do. See, what happened was, is like she didn't find an empathetic ear to listen to her pain and encourage her along the way. Like she was trying, she, well, probably could have gone to therapy sooner, I would say. But mm-hmm. what she was trying to do is harness. Betterhelp.com slash GML. Exactly. She was trying to harness like the pain that she was feeling to herself. And then her only option that she can think of is, well, nobody will listen to me talk about this. So better off that. I should have killed him. Well, she even says right there, if anything good came from my pain, it's been to encourage other women in my situation to understand that they have a right to put their opinion out there and maybe change their circumstances a little bit. If anything good came from my pain, the next words I expect to see would be that there is a man out there who has a family and a productive member of society and has life experiences and has experienced love and has loved other people. And maybe the world's a better place uh, because of him. And I've made contact with him and we have a business together. No, that's not what good came from her pain of doing this because she should have just had an abortion. Yeah. That's not the good. It's so wild. It's, it's so <laughs> crazy to me. And listen, I'm saying this as someone who doesn't think that abortion needs to be outlawed in all mm. these states that are outlawing it right now, these full total bans that they're doing. I don't agree with them. We brought Tennessee's in here. They're going to have basically a total ban. Uh, it's supposed to be within 30 days. They're actually trying to push it up to sooner right now. I don't think it needs to be totally outlawed. I'm just saying this is a terrible argument. Mm-hmm. It's a really awful argument. It is. And that's the problem with this this side is that they've gone so far extreme like originally it was like okay this is my body i can make this medical decision for myself reluctantly i'm going to be really sad about it uh this is terrible and late term yeah of course late term that's crazy wouldn't want to do anything like that you know we just need to be able to do it first trimester maybe a few weeks into the second and all that to now it's like abortion is a good thing this helps women uh, get ahead in life and and actually we need to encourage this and we need to subsidize it and we need to make it possible all the way up to the point of birth. I'm just saying it went, it went so far from reluctantly I make this decision and I state my regret that, that I had to do this to man, am I awesome for killing that kid. And you guys know, now I got made fun of in the live group for bringing Hitler into this, <laughs> but everyone looks back on history and they're like, how could this happen? How could the mass genocide of Jews take place? How could we enslave black people? How could all of these things happen? It happens like this. This, to me, and I said this on a show a few months ago, in my opinion, we for the last 50 years in the United States, we lived through the modern-day genocide of human life. It starts with the ability and to dehumanize. Exactly. That is the first step that they do, is dehumanize a situation so that the majority of people think, oh, well, it's not. This isn't wrong necessarily because it's not really a it's not really a child. Yeah. You know, it's just a clump of cells. Or like, oh yeah, the a, a black person isn't really a person. They're their property. Yeah. You know? Or the Jews, they're not really people. They're the arbiters of the takedown of Germany. You know, they're the ones who caused all of the pain that you're suffering with right now. Like they go through this process of dehumanizing, and this is how these things happen. And so I, I always ask people like, what side of history are you going to be on? You know, when it actually comes down to it, 
and you're feeling the pressure of the majority, like what side of history do you come down on is my opinion. Now I'm going to read what's happening here in Tennessee. I want to give you a landscape of what the United States is going to look like now that you know what the actual Supreme court opinion does. Um, so Tennessee here from Axios, Tennessee to ban most abortions without Roe v. Wade and Casey, the ban described in the law, by the way, tr- uh, Tennessee has a trigger law, which goes into effect in 30 days. The attorney general is trying to get that done faster. But uh, the ban described in the law would only allow limited exceptions when the pregnancy puts the mother's life in jeopardy or if there is a, quote, serious risk of substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function. Mental health threats, including the threat of self-harm, would not qualify. There are no exceptions for rape or incest. Um, now, the other thing is, is there is not a... So I just want to lay out what is currently the state's... The, the current United States landscape which is there are no single ban on abortions who ban eptoptic, 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 eptoptic pregnancies, mm-hmm. which by the way is usually a present uh, a pregnancy that takes place in the, where the, the zygote attaches in the fallopian tubes for the most part. Um, and so there's no ban on that, which by the way, it does the majority of the time would end in the death of the mother because it would create a massive affection the fetus dies in the tubes and it's not, it's not good. Um, but that's not a, um, that's a natural cause of death and it's not, that's not banned anywhere. So people who are arguing, oh, well, this is going to hurt women because they won't be able to take their abortion pills for ectoptic pregnancies. Well, that's not true. Not true at all. Um, and there are, uh, four States. I think I got that right. Four States who, will ban it entirely except for the health of the mother. Um, there are, there's no states that bans it outright. Like, you can't have an abortion no matter what, including health of the mother or anything like that. Uh, four states do not include the exception of rape and, or incest, but the other uh, 22 states expected to have restrictions do have those exceptions in there. Um, Tennessee is one of them. Louisiana is another one. Um, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but the majority of ones, the 22 out of the 26 that are going to ban abortions do have exceptions for rape, incest, and health of the mother, which includes uh, ectoptic pregnancies. I, what I take from that is, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't agree with these near total bans. Um, I think that that is, uh, what I think is we go, it's like a pendulum swinging back and forth. I think we end up going too far and it's actually going to create an even bigger reaction in the other, in the other direction. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, if you did something, well, that's that what happened here, by the way, a, a little, yeah, it did. And if it would have been a little bit more of a compromise, I mean, it definitely was because Mississippi tried to do 15 weeks and they ended up having to take that to the Supreme court. And, and so, you know, that ends up overturning, the the whole precedent. Well, I want to say in this whole um, this whole political ideology, the whole landscape for conservatives on the right, I would say, like Trump was just the beginning. I, I think what happened here is you have a whole group of people, large sector of the right, extremely pissed off. By the way, about what's been happening from the left side of things. Now, now you're going to see these competing ideologues that are just going to one up each other mm-hmm. until. Until something happens, civil war, which is where we come in, let's to introduce liberty to both yeah. sides. By the way, side note: if you were like a a Trump um, cultist, um, 
I mean, this is a massive validation for you, especially if you if you literally consider abortion to be the murder of children and you go with these 60 million and uh, whatever amounts it is, you got a guy, Donald Trump, who just saved the lives of millions of people. The massive win. I mean, he a might massive have win single... For single voter issues who voted for Trump purely on the fact that they thought that he would have Supreme Court picks mm -hmm. to pick the right ones and huge win. They were 100% correct. He might have saved more lives single-handedly than, uh, I mean, almost every other president, if you look at it that way, if and that's how you view it. He's a terrible person. Yeah, can't stand the guy. And Do you think that's... he gives two shits about abortion no. at all? No. He's probably paid for dozens of them. <laughs> I guarantee you he has. He yeah. doesn't care yeah. at all. But we we get this. We get the, the, uh, the gun ruling also uh, that we talked about last week, which I saw a lot of dumb stuff about that as well. Uh, but to me, this is good because it brings it back like the first article to the states where people, the people who are protesting, who are very upset, they first off need to realize that it's still legal in a lot of the states around. A lot of them are going to continue to encourage it the way that they normally have. And if your state uh, doesn't allow it, it is much easier for you to affect the politics in your state than for you to try to affect the next Supreme Court nominee. Like that is like upper level political activism right there that just takes years and, and decades of planning and dark money to be able to get that in there. But for you to be able to affect the legislature. Although not impossible because the GOP did it. Not impossible. No, <laughs> definitely not. Who, who would have thought that Trump had four years as a president, got three Supreme Court justices crazy. while he was in there? That's crazy. That is, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's well, the Christians would say it by the hand of God. By the hand of God, right there, mm -hmm. he was the chosen he moved one, him man. Right in there, I told you, man, he mm -hmm. was chosen by God to come in here and save the children. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not trying to make fun of, yeah, yeah. Um, this fact that you can affect your state legislature that is much easier to do than it is to affect the 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 U.S. government and the Supreme Court and who the president's going to be and who mm -hmm. your U.S. senator is going to be. And so now. You got a, a little bit easier path, in my opinion, for the people that live in your state to be able to solve this problem if you perceive it to be a problem. So I, it should be at the states. I really do. I and really do think that way, unless you see it as murder, in which case you wouldn't say it should be at the states because, like I always say, like if Tennessee legalizes murdering people on the street and it's totally fine, I'm pretty sure the U.S., uh, Supreme Court will want to come in and say that that's not constitutional. So if you view it as uh, if you view it as murder, then it's not even a state issue. So now I'm about to slap y'all in the face with some logic. Okay. Okay. So we've gone kind of gone over what the court did. We've gone over a little bit of both sides. We've covered the logical fallacies, all of that. Now everybody's in the mood probably for some logic. I hope. Okay. Set your emotions to the side. Take them off your sleeve. Set them down. It's time for us to think about this. And what's, what's is this how you start your conversations? Yes. What's actually happening? Okay, does that sound condescending? Yes. Am I coming over? Yeah. Okay, let me. Yeah. Okay, let me reel. That. Was it the tone? Um, it was the assumption that the people you were talking to are idiots. Is kind of what it sounds like. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Not, that's not what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, let me hit you with some logic. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I what I want to do is I actually want to talk through about what's actually happening here. Okay, and. Uh, this is, I mean, it is my opinion, uh, but I do think that it holds a lot of weight 
when it comes to thinking about what we believe uh, when we believe in liberty. Um, and so I want to say that I think that the court 100% got this right, uh, sending it back to the states uh, to be in public debate. Um, and then the other thing I want to say is that the reason why is that this, this might be the most complex philosophical, theological, fundamental issue facing the human race. I can't think of one that's more complex than this. And the reason why is because what's actually happening here is you have competing fundamental rights. You have competing intrinsic rights. And what I said over the weekend was, which right is more important than the other? Which can you, can you weight them? Can you rank them? Is life more important than bodily autonomy? Is bodily autonomy more important than life? Can you, can you take fundamental rights as a human and decide which one's more important than the other? And the truth of the matter is, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Because as we've talked about on this show, we believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Well, all of those principles come, come from this idea this intrinsic, fundamental belief that we all own ourselves, that you own yourself. That also has to extend. So the real debate on when the real debate of abortion is actually when does life begin? That's the actual debate, because once that life has been established as it's a life, then the belief has to be that they are extended the same exact fundamental intrinsic, or actually, they just have them. They're not extended to them. They just have them. By being human, you have the right to self-ownership, which means you have the right to life. You have the right to liberty. You have the right to property. You have the right to privacy and bodily autonomy, self-ownership. You have those rights simply by being human. No one gives them to you. We all believe this. So the debate is... Where does life begin? When is it a human life? I don't I don't know if that's where the debate starts because I think a lot of people that are pro-choice would uh, would say fine, okay, it is a life, but I have the right to end it if I want to because this life is fully dependent on me to take care of it. And so what I think there's Well, that's a, an easy argument. All you have to do <clears throat> is extrapolate that idea. Well, exactly. So you can kill it as far as it's dependent on something else. That's where I think this conversation gets very muddy when it's coming from people on the left that I don't think that the dispute over life is the bottom of it. I think it is dispute over the control that you have over people that are dependent on you for their survival which is a very fundamental belief of people that are of authoritarian nature. If you think about it, that they are just little pieces on a chessboard that you can just destroy whenever you want uh, because they're dependent on you now. And, and, and so I actually think it goes down to that, that there is this fundamental ideology that because the baby is dependent on the mother for survival, that even though it is a human life, they have the right to destroy that life, to, to take that life. And like you said, if you extrapolate that out further, what does that mean for dependency for people? This is where the libertarian eviction theory comes in, evictionism theory comes in, because as you were going through it, we all have the right to bodily talent, we got the right to all this. Okay, that's true. Okay, so if you say a, a, the baby 
has the same rights that we do as human beings. Okay, does the baby have the right to demand that the baby dependent on the mother to demand that the mother take care of it, even if she doesn't want to, when the baby is dependent on the mother, if you're saying same human rights no. as everyone else, because I don't have the right to demand of other people that they take care of me. And so that's, to me, where the evictionism theory comes in, is that no, you don't. But that doesn't mean someone can come in and kill you because of that. That means, unfortunately, you'd be left to survive on your own. And if you can't, then, then that's bad. And that should be discouraged. I think that that should be uh, immoral to do that. Uh, but I think it's the only, to me, it gets all the way down to the fundamental principles of the rights that human beings have. Do you have the right to force someone else to take care of you? And yeah. we never have that right. Yeah. And yeah, that live group is going off on this. But that yeah, is different I, than should we, by the way. But, that is different than should we take care of people that, that are dependent. That is not saying that we shouldn't. That is saying, do you have the right to demand that someone takes care of you? No. No. No, you don't. You don't. You don't have the right to conscript anyone to do anything. No. Because of the idea of self-ownership, of body, of body uh, autonomy. A little muddy, though, because of this whole, you know, baby in the womb situation, though. Well, but that's, you know. that's why <laughs> I do believe when you have competing fundamental rights, then there has to be a solution for that. And so even though, like... Amanda says it makes you look dumb. I, I don't care. I don't think it's dumb. It's it's my opinion. And I can have whatever opinion I want, even if people think it's dumb. <laughs> and I don't care. But, like, the reason why I think the evictionism theory works is because you have these competing fundamental rights. And so to logically solve the problem of both self-ownership and the right to life competing with each other, it's the only one that actually makes sense. It's the only one that actually satisfies both requirements. It's the only one I can come to because I I can't force I can't force a woman to carry a baby to term. Like what does that entail? Like I always say like a woman decides that she's going to go on a start, you know, she's going to starve herself or she's going to uh, do drugs, which is which as libertarians, people should be able to do drugs and uh, she's going to drink or do whatever. She's going to do whatever she can to, 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 not have, to not have the baby. Like I can't chain her down and put a feeding tube in her and make sure that she becomes an incubator for, for nine months. I, I can't do that. And since I can't do that, then I have a hard time with all of the laws uh, on all of these things. And by the way, whether or not people think that this makes us look dumb this is a very complex situation, and what we're doing right now is what people refuse to do, which is talk about it from all of the different angles of the problem, mm -hmm. because I do not believe that there is just one simple solution to this problem that will solve everyone and make everyone happy, and then we're not going to deal with it anymore. There isn't one. See, and, and to me, it makes the most sense. Okay, so I'm going to respond to Amanda here that says, if you drag someone onto your plane while unconscious, you can't chuck them out midair. Which, by the way, dragging them onto a plane unconscious would be kidnapping. We don't believe in that. <laughs> uh, anyway, but let's say the scenario that you invited someone on your plane and you're flying through the air and, and then you no longer want that person in your plane. Uh, can you just kick them out? Well, the answer is no, because evictionism solves the problem of evicting the baby without actively killing it. The right to life doesn't guarantee life. 
Yeah, but you know that the when right to life guarantees a chance. You know that when you evict the baby, the baby's going to die in the same way you kick it out of a plane. Maybe. And the problem is, we're maybe deal- we said this earlier when we were talking about this. This is a situation that does not have any proper analogies. It, it does. doesn't. No, it the does. Plane, Listen, okay. the plane is not a good analogy because you are creating a life that did not exist. You didn't drag anyone L- no, onto on. the plane. Listen, you didn't ask them to come on the plane. Listen to this analogy. Okay, if I invite you over to my house, mm-hmm. I invited you there. Yes. Let's say I wanted to get pregnant and I got pregnant. Okay, I invited you. I invited Nate over to my house. Or if you're a woman, I invited Nate inside my womb. Okay. <laughs> Whether it's a new person or a, some person coming over, it doesn't matter. But listen to the analogy, which is I have a right to tell Nate to leave at any point because it's, it's, it's my property. It's self-ownership. It's still okay. My, it but the thing about out. it is I can't kill you to get you out of there unless you're a direct threat to me, which is the exception we all adhere to, even all the abortion bans. Mm-hmm. The only exception is actual threat to the life, which in that case is self-defense. Again, self-ownership. It goes back to the same principle. So the whole plane thing doesn't make sense because I can't kick you out of a plane because that's causing death, right? Mm-hmm. Now, but kicking you out of a womb causes death. Okay. You know? Okay. That's not their potential. Their potential. It's death. not potential. We know it's going to cause death. More than likely. I mean, they've survived as early as, <laughs> as early as 20 weeks. Advances in modern science. We well, can now get that down to the, like 10 weeks. Now we're leaving the plane analogy and saying that it doesn't work. I'm still I'm still holding true that there we can't make an analogy for this. It's not the same. All of these inviting someone or asking someone or dragging them on, it's not the same thing. You're talking about the creation of life. There is no circumstance that matches up to this uh, uh, in an analogy. There, there isn't one. I'm trying to get as close as I can get. There, but that's why we're here all these years later. There isn't one. And it is. It as is I a completely said, unique situation. As I said before, it is the most complex thing I think faces that faces human, that faces a human consciousness when it comes to, it's probably the deepest level of philosophical and theological <laughs> thought that there is because it is that complex. Now, what I said to a lot of people, and one thing I haven't mentioned yet, which is, um, I said the debate is when does life start? Okay, because we need to, we need to settle that. And the opinion that I have adopted is not my own opinion, but it's the opinion of the consensus of biologists and embryologists, which is that life begins at conception. And so, this the the survey was done, and this data is easily accessible too. By the way, go look it up. They did it at Stanford and Princeton. And all these far left or far right organizations, such as Stanford, by the way, Harvard, it doesn't matter where you go. The consensus among even pro-choice, very liberal biologists is that life begins at conception. Now, is that nine out of 10 biologists or it's actually 96 percent? Same amount that think climate change is man-made. Same amount as climate change. <laughs> this survey was done a little bit differently, though. I think the I think the survey credibility is a lot better than the consensus on climate change. That's just because you're reading it through your biases. I'm not reading. I'm actually reading <laughs> through the data. Anyway, um, and so to take that in consideration, um, we. I'm just arguing with you for fun, by the no, way. I know. Literally, if we found a molecule on Mars, we would say that there was life on Mars. We found water. If, yeah. There is what, if there's anything, anything resembling just the smallest little particle 
that we found there. We would say we found life on Mars. So, yeah, I would I would say that uh, the majority of biologists and scientists and whatever mm-hmm. um whatever different appeals to authority you want to make uh, that they would agree that that's life. So to say all that is why I say the only theory that currently makes sense to satisfy fundamental rights as a human being would be evictionism, in my opinion. Now, that may not be the only way. It, it, maybe it's not. And perhaps most people will think it's stupid. It's a, it's a tough sell. Right. It's why it's not mainstream, obviously. And I believe this theory came from Walter Block, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I heard him talk uh, about it. I don't know if it came from or him. Or Lou Rockwell, one of the other libertarians. Um, so it's not my theory either. It's just something that I found to be logically consistent with trying to solve the problem of the complex issue when you have competing rights. What I think would actually solve the problem is the problem of why are so many people, so many millions of people in need of an abortion all, every single year in the United States. To me, that's the problem that doesn't get solved. And it's the, if I were going to organize a society, I would say that the that fully legalizing abortion sets improper incentives for the way that human beings should exist and interact with one another. When you basically set up a system where there are very important actions, like, say, having sex with one another, that you remove any of the negative consequences of that, all the way down to suing Geico if you happen to get an STD, that you remove any of the (laughs) negative consequences of that happening, and where you can do this and not have any personal responsibility for the matter. And even though I don't know that I would set up a legal structure to try and create that, I would say that Uh, socially that creates a bad incentive structure for people and that we do need to know that there are bad things that can happen from your decisions that you need to uh, that you need to pick and choose the people that you uh, you know get down and dirty with uh, on a on on a better basis and you need to make sure that you're uh, protecting yourself or that that person is to to make some some good decisions for your future. Maybe you need to be married or maybe you need to know that that's a person that you would want to be around uh, for the rest of your life and know that the, that a, a pregnancy and a baby is a consequence of having sex, that that is something that could happen. And so maybe you need to make better decisions with your life. And to me, when that is solved, when that incentive structure is solved, which I think people on the right are trying to do uh, with their laws, I think that you start solving the problem. But to me, it's not the laws that will solve that problem. It's the parents, it's the churches, it's society as a whole that need to work on solving this this immoral framework that we have lined out, that we have laid out for people to live in. And until we solve that, none of these, eviction, pro-choice, pro-life, are going to solve the root cause. Which is true, and you and I have talked about this before, which is that the, the real answer to solve the problem is to get people in a position where they abortion, they don't consider abortion. Where it's not necessary it's not, except for yeah. it, to protect the health of the mother when something bad goes wrong. That's right. That's the society that you want to have, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But not when, you look at, uh, not when you look at abortion as this great moral achievement in life, like, oh, look at all these 15 abortions I had. Like a, I get a medal or something afterwards. Like that's is that really what you want? Is that the society that 
can you really just say that there's nothing bad about that? I, I don't think you can. So that's what's got to be fixed. I I couldn't agree more. All right, y'all, I got to roll, but uh, this has been a great, complex discussion. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying that we have all the answers, but what I am saying is that the Supreme Court did the right thing to bring the debate back to the people. And I think this debate should continue to traverse and that we should make arguments on both sides that are good. And I ultimately, uh, there's options for yeah. everyone. So... Uh, in my opinion, big win for life. And I actually, um, I'm actually happy is the wrong word. It's not that I less sad. I, I do celebrate the life that now we'll have a chance mm-hmm. to go on to create cool things. I think maybe we'll find another Elon Musk or a, maybe an, an Einstein or some kind of some kind of brilliant person like a Elizabeth Warren or something like that. That's going to come out of this whole thing. You know, anyway, if you all enjoy today's episode, please share the show with a friend, a family member, a foe and that dead fetus. Wish they could have heard about this before they were aborted. <laughs> Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.